Listen to Lauren Boebert. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That is not how our founding fathers intended it. And I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk that's not in the Constitution. It was in a stinking letter, and it means nothing like what they say it does. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. In fact, we fought a war to escape rule that was dictated by the church, the Revolutionary War. Yes, I'm sure I read about this in a book once. Wait, did the GOP ban all the books about the Revolutionary War? How can a United States representative be so ignorant of how our government works when they're in the government? Is it at all possible that someone could be this stupid? Colorado, you need to vote her out. I strongly believe that one of the biggest problems that we're facing in our country right now is that we're living amongst undereducated individuals who think that they're educated. That's terrifying. I liked her better when everyone thought she was an escort for Sugar Daddy. Today is July 2nd, 1872, a time when women can't vote, women can't speak in public. In fact, their only purpose in life is to serve the needs of men. In fact, I wish Lauren Boebert would shut the fuck up right now. So if you're wondering how we woke up one day and we time traveled 150 years into the past without the benefit of a DeLorean, let me try to explain it to you. The United States Supreme Court is in a major crisis of legitimacy, and here's why. There are nine justices on the Supreme Court, six are conservative, the same six who voted against abortion rights in the Dubs case. Democrats have won the popular vote in every election except one this century. Yet there are only three liberal justices on the court. Five or six of the conservative justices were appointed by presidents who had first come to office having lost the popular vote. That's Amy Coney Barrett. Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, Samuel Alto, and Chief Justice John Roberts. Three of those justices were appointed to the court by Donald Trump, who lost the popular vote twice. He was also impeached twice. He's also the first American president in history to attempt a coup. Two of the six conservative justices on the bench, Kavanaugh and Thomas, have credibly been accused of sexual misconduct, although they both deny the allegations. One of the six justices, Gorsuch, is sitting on a seat stolen by Merrick Garland because Moscow Mitch McConnell made up this rule about not confirming a Supreme Court justice during an election year. Another of the six, Barrett, was then confirmed just weeks before an election, violating McConnell's made-up rule. Another of the six conservative justices, Thomas, as a wife who participated in the attempted coup to overthrow our democracy and then failed to recuse himself from cases involving Donald Trump and the 2020 election. So a legitimacy crisis is a bit of an understatement. This is a pro-GOP-packed Supreme Court that sent us spiraling 150 years into the past that needs to be rebalanced immediately. But hey, I don't wish to be a Debbie Downer, so... Happy 4th of July, everybody, from the Plush Anchor Studios, powered by Spotify. This is Modern Problems, the podcast, and I'm Johnny Benson. The 4th of July, where we celebrate Independence Day from the church-ruled England, and where eight Republicans attend a barbecue in Russia. What does July 4th mean to me? Freedom, Senator Ron Johnson chirped on Twitter on Independence Day. 
for the Wisconsin Republican and meant specifically the freedom to spend 4th of July in Moscow with seven other Republican lawmakers posing for propaganda photos with Russian officials. On the same day, it was reported in Britain that two more people had been poisoned by a Russian nerve agent British officials say came from Vladimir Putin's regime. On the day after the Senate Intelligence Committee affirmed that U.S. intelligence community's conclusion that Russia interfered with the election to help Donald Trump. To those eight Republican lawmakers who spent the 4th of July in Russia, your one-way tickets back to the USSR are ready now. Traders.
just heard the sounds of civil discontent around the country. There seems to be a lot of women pissed off at the GOP. I don't know what that means for the midterms, but I don't think it's a good sign. I'm just glad they're not pissed at me for a change. It's the House Select Committee's January 6th hearing. It's time for Danny Thompson. It's time for Adam Schiff. It's time to outrage January 6th. It's time to shine a spotlight on those behind the coup. I know her. I don't think she's lying. Following yesterday's stunning hearing with Cassidy Hutchinson, former Trump's acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, tweeted this statement along with the following assessment. He predicts that before the January 6th hearings are over, we'll hear testimony from other Trump figures, including Mark Meadows. In a last-minute hearing scheduled by the committee just hours before it took place, Cassidy Hutchinson, a former aide to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, provided the world with an intimate look inside the workings of the West Wing leading up to and on the day of January 6, 2021. She relayed details about President Trump's personal behavior and erratic actions and implicated Donald Trump and others in a criminal conspiracy to attack the U.S. Capitol. Cass, are you excited for the 6th? It's going to be a great day. I remember looking at him and saying, Rudy, could you explain what's, what's happening on the 6th? Uh, he, he had responded something to the effect of, we're going to the Capitol. It's going to be great. The president's going to be there. He's going to look powerful. He's, he's going to be with the members. He's going to be with the senators. Talk to the chief about it. Talk to the chief about it. He knows about it. And did you go back uh, then up to the West Wing and tell Mr. Meadows about your conversation with Mr. Giuliani? I did. After Mr. Giuliani had left the campus that evening, I went back up to our office and I found Mr. Meadows in his office on the couch. He was scrolling through his phone. I remember leaning against the doorway and saying, I just had an interesting conversation with Rudy, Mark. It sounds like we're going to go to the Capitol. He didn't look up from his phone and said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass, but I don't know. Things might get real, real bad on January 6th. Donald Trump has since issued denials of nearly all the allegations made at Tuesday's hearing and has also took to his Truth Social account, the social media platform that he created, to disparage those who oppose him, to try to discredit her testimony by calling her negative and a phony. Hutchinson began her testimony by explaining that she first became genuinely worried about what could happen on January 6th, four days prior on January 2nd, when she was escorting Trump's campaign attorney, Rudy Giuliani, out of the White House to his car. Giuliani asked Hutchinson if she was excited for January 6th and then proceeded to tell her the following. We're going to the Capitol. It's going to be great. The president's going to be there. He's going to look powerful. Ms. Hutchinson testified that she immediately took her concerns raised by the conversation with Giuliani to her boss, Mark Meadows. 
who made the following comment about what was to come. There's a lot going on, Cass, but I don't know. Things might get real, real bad on January 6th. Hutchinson also explained that she became very worried at this point, saying, when hearing Rudy's take on January 6th and Mark's response, that was the first moment I remember feeling scared and nervous for what was to come. And I had a deeper concern for what was happening with the planning aspect of it. As you will see on this clip, Director Ratcliffe's comments in December of 2020 were prescient. My understanding was Mr. Rat Director Ratcliffe didn't want much to do with the post-election period. Director Ratcliffe felt that it wasn't something that the White House should be pursuing. It felt it was dangerous for the president's legacy. He had expressed to me that he was concerned that it could spiral out of control and potentially be dangerous, either in, for our democracy or the way that things were going for the six. When you say it wasn't something the White House should be pursuing, what's the it? Trying to fight the results of the election, finding missing ballots, pressuring filing lawsuits in certain states where there didn't seem to be significant evidence and reaching out to state legislatures about that. So pretty much the way that the White House is handling the post-election period, he felt that there could be dangerous repercussions in terms of precedent set for elections, for our democracy, for the six. You know, he was hoping that we would concede. Hutchinson testified that she and Trump's deputy chief of staff, Tony Ornato, went to warn Meadows of all the January 6th intel they had, including the weapons that had been spotted among Trump's supporters. Tony relayed something to the fact that these effing people are fastening spears on the end of flagpoles. And, and just to, to be clear, so um, he was told again in that conversation, or was he told again in that conversation that people couldn't come through the mags because they had weapons? Correct. And um, that people, and he, his response was to say they can march to the Capitol from, in, from the ellipse. Something to the effect of, take the effing mags away, they're not here to hurt me, let them in, let my people in, they can march to the Capitol after the rally's over, they can march from, they can march from the ellipse, take the effing mags away then they can march to the Capitol. According to Hutchinson, Meadows would barely look up from his phone when he was told this information, and instead just kept endlessly scrolling as if he were in a daze. She also testified that on January 4th, Meadows did not act on concerns of violence for January 6th. It wasn't until Mark hung up the phone, handed it back to me. I went back to my desk. A couple minutes later, him and Pat came back possibly Eric Hirschman too. I'm pretty sure Eric Hirschman was there. But I'm, I'm confident it was Pat that was there. Um, I remember Pat saying something to the effect of, Mark, we need to do something more. They're literally calling 
for the vice president to be effing hung. And Mark had responded something to the effect of, you heard him, Pat, he thinks Mike deserves it, he doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. To which Pat said something, this is effing crazy, we need to be doing something more, briefly stepped into Mark's office. And when Mark had said something, when Mark had said something to the effect of, he doesn't think they're doing anything wrong, knowing what I had heard briefly in the dining room, coupled with Pat discussing the hang Mike Pence chants in the lobby of our office, and then Mark's response, there to be the rioters in the Capitol that were chanting for the vice president to be hung. Let me pause here on this point. As rioters chanted hang Mike Pence, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, said that, quote, Mike deserves it and that those rioters were not doing anything wrong. This is a sentiment that he has expressed. Because it's, it's common sense, John, it's common sense that you're supposed to protect. How can you, if you know a vote is fraudulent, right? Yeah. How can you pass on a fraudulent vote to Congress? At other points throughout the day, Meadows also pushed back at others, including White House counsel Pat Cipollone. Hutchinson's recounted Cipollone's burst into Meadows' office shortly after the rioters entered the Capitol with the goal of getting Trump to respond by telling them to stand down. Not long after the rioters broke into the Capitol, you described what happened with White House counsel Pat Cipollone. No more than a minute, minute and a half later, I see Pat Cipollone barreling down the hallway towards our office and rushed right in, looked at me, said, is Mark in his office? And I said, yes. He just looked at me and started shaking his head and went over, opened Mark's office door, stood there with the door propped open and said something to the, Mark is still sitting on his phone. I remember like glancing and he's still sitting on his phone. And I remember Pat saying to him something to the effect of, the rioters have gotten to the Capitol, Mark. We need to go down and see the president now. And Mark looked up at him and said, he doesn't want to do anything, Pat. And Pat said something to the effect of, and very clearly <laughs> had said this to Mark, something to the effect of, Mark, something needs to be done or people are going to die and the blood's going to be on your effing hands. This is getting out of control. I'm going down there. And at that point, Mark stood up from his couch, both of his phones in his hand. He had his glasses on still. He walked out with Pat. He put both of his phones on my desk and said, let me know if Jim calls. And they walked out and went down to the dining room. He approached Meadows again minutes later amid the news that riders were chanting, hang Mike Pence, telling the chief of staff they needed to do more. Meadows responding by saying, you heard them, Pat. He thinks Mike deserves it. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. White House counsel Pat Cipollone warned that if Trump were allowed to go to the Capitol on January 6th, we're going to get charged with every crime imaginable. Hutchinson also confirmed that sometime after the attack, both Meadows and Giuliani asked Trump for pardons. And we understand, Ms. Hutchinson, that you also spoke to Mr. Cipollone on the morning of the 6th as you were about to go to the rally on the ellipse. And Mr. Cipollone said something to you like, make sure the movement to the Capitol 
does not happen. Is that correct? That's correct. I saw Mr. Cipollone right before I walked out onto West Exec that morning, and Mr. Cipollone said something to the effect of, please make sure we don't go up to the Capitol, Cassidy. Keep in touch with me. We're going to get charged with every crime imaginable if we make that movement happen. And do you remember which crimes Mr. Cipollone was concerned with? In the days leading up to the six, we had conversations about potentially obstructing justice or defrauding the electoral count. On the morning of January 6th, Meadows and Trump were informed that Trump supporters came to the Stop the Steal rally on the eclipse armed with weapons that included pepper spray, knives, brass knuckles, stun guns, body armor, gas masks, batons, and blunt weapons. The committee also played police calls reporting people with AR-15s. When we were in the offstage announced area tent behind the stage, he was very concerned about the shot, meaning the photograph that we would get because the rally space wasn't full. Um, one of the reasons, which I've previously stated, was because he wanted it to be full and for people to not feel excluded because they'd come far to watch him at the rally. Um, and he felt the mags were at fault for not letting everybody in. But another leading reason, and likely the primary reason, is because he wanted it full and he was angry at that we weren't letting people through the mags with weapons, what the Secret Service deemed as weapons and our, our weapons. <laughs> but when we were in the offstage announced tent, I was part of a conversation. I was, in the, I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away. According to what Hutchinson had been told by Tony Ornato after the fact, Trump literally tried to wrestle the steering wheel away from the head of the Secret Service detail to go to the Capitol. Ms. Hutchinson relayed what she had heard from Tony Ornato who was in the car with Trump and the Secret Service about that moment. The president said something to the effect that, I'm the effing president, take me to the Capitol now. To which Robert Engel, the head of the Secret Service detail, responded, Sir, we're going back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, Sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand and lunged forward to Bobby Engel. Hutchinson testified she explained to the special committee that Ornato motioned to his clavicles to describe some kind of choking motion. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. And was Mr. Angle in the room as Mr. Renato told you this story? He was. Did Mr. Angle correct or disagree with any part of the story for Mr. Renato? Mr. Angle did not correct or disagree with any part of the story. Did Mr. Engel or Mr. Ornato ever after that tell you that what Mr. Ornato had just said was untrue? N neither Mr. Ornato nor Mr. Engel 
told me ever that it was untrue. And despite this altercation, this physical altercation, uh, during the ride back to the White House, President Trump still demanded to go to the Capitol. Hutchinson was also in the room on December 1st, 2020, when Trump learned that then Attorney General William P. Barr said in an interview with the Associated Press that there was no evidence of widespread election fraud that would call into question Joe Biden's win. I remember hearing noise coming from down the hallway, so I poked my head out of the office, Hutchinson testified. She said that she saw the White House valet inside the dining room changing the tablecloth on the dining room table. He motioned me to come in and then pointed to the front of the room near the fireplace mantel where I noticed there was ketchup dripping down the wall and a shattered porcelain plate on the floor. She went on, the valet had articulated the president was extremely angry at the attorney general's AP interview and had thrown his lunch up against the wall. Under questioning from Cheney, Hutchinson said that there, this wasn't the first time the president had thrown dishes when he was mad. On December 1, 2020, Attorney General Barr said in an interview that the Department of Justice had not found evidence of widespread election fraud sufficient to change the outcome of the election. Ms. Hutchinson, how did the president react to hearing that news? Around the time that I understand the AP article went live, I remember hearing noise coming from down the hallway, so I poked my head out of the office, and I saw the valet walking towards our office. He had said, get the chief down to the dining room, the president wants him. So Mark went down to the dining room, came back to the office a few minutes later. After Mark had returned, I left the office and went down to the dining room, and I noticed that the door was propped open and the valet was inside the dining room changing the tablecloth off of the dining room table. He motioned for me to come in and then pointed towards the front of the room near the fireplace mantle and the TV where I first noticed there was ketchup dripping down the wall and there's a shattered porcelain plate on the floor. The valet had articulated that the president was extremely angry at the attorney general. Vice Chairwoman Liz Cheney made a point to conclude the hearing by explaining that Casey Hutchinson is not the only one to face pushback after cooperating with the committee. Without identifying who else has been contacted, one witness told the committee that they have been reminded that Trump does read transcripts. Other witnesses relayed to the committee that they had been warned with the following statement. What they said to me, as long as I continue to be a team player, they know I'm on the right team. I'm doing the right thing. I'm protecting who I need to protect. You know, I'll continue to stay in good graces in Trump world. Another witness explained that they got a call saying he knows you're loyal and that you're going to do the right thing when you go in for your deposition. Representative Jamie Raskin made the following statement following the hearing's conclusion. It's a crime to tamper with witnesses. It's a form of obstructing justice. The committee won't tolerate it. We haven't had a chance to fully investigate it or fully discuss it, but it's something on our agenda. We here at the Trump campaign want to help those people who donated to the Election Defense Fund only to have their money stolen by us because the fund didn't actually exist. That's why we started a new fund, the Fight the Fraud Fund, to fight the fraud of our first fraud, which admittedly was also a fraud. 
But due to those two previous frauds, we've never needed your money more. That's why we're coming to you, loyal Trump supporters, one last time with a new fraud fighting fund to fight the fraud of the fund created to fight election fraud fraud. Introducing the fight the fraud of the former fight the fraud, which fought the fraud of the first fraud fund. Please donate generously. Together, we can help us by helping you help us to get your money again. And this time, we promise no fraud. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. And best of all, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, Johnny Benson here. Gage describes his trip to St. Jude as going to grandma's. When Gage was just a baby, he survived one of the most difficult to treat brain cancers. St. Jude provided his life-saving radiation and chemotherapy on a treatment plan his doctors created. Gabe writes, for me, St. Jude is like a second home because I spent most of my childhood down there. Today, Gage has an encyclopedic knowledge of music and looks forward to college in the fall. Thanks to supporters like you. Gage wants to be an x-ray tech one day and give back to the patients going through what he went through. I'm asking you, for as little as $19 a month, you can change the world in a child's life. Won't you give to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital today? Or as I refer to him as the Teflon Kid. It's time to wake up now. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the edible to kick in. The Valkyrie moment. Baseball is back, baby. And he told his own people to let them into the rally because they weren't there to hurt him. But he did know they were there to hurt members of Congress, as well as his own VP. And when they told him about the Hang Mike Pence chance, he said he deserved it. What a fucking maniac. Then he tried to take over the steering wheel to drive himself up to the Capitol and when his Secret Service person said, no, we're going back to the White House, Trump tried to strangle him. This is worse than we all thought. I mean, I know, we all know he's a maniac, but wow, straight up madman. This man does not, he is not fit to have any job, let alone the presidency. That man needs to be locked in a powdered room. What the fuck? And all of this was done because he lost an election and he knew it. And you know that testimony was explosive when he turned to Fox News right after the hearing. And they're talking about Hunter Biden. 
Even they can't spin this.
President Joe Biden signed the Bipartisan Safety Communities Act into law on June 25, 2022. The legislation aims at stopping dangerous people from obtaining firearms and to provide much-needed funds to improve the nation's mental health system. It is the most significant gun control regulation approved by the U.S. Congress since the now-expired federal assault weapons ban of 1994. The law addresses several areas of concern, including the boyfriend loophole. Under the current federal law, those convicted of domestic violence are prohibited from purchasing a firearm only if they're living with or married to or have a child with their partner. The new provision will prevent a person found guilty of abusing a current or former dating partner from buying a gun. It also calls for more in-depth background checks on gun buyers between the ages of 18 and 21. States will also receive funding to create crisis intervention programs. The red flag law will enable law enforcement officers to petition the court to confiscate guns from individuals believed to be a threat to themselves or others. An additional $15 billion will be spent on improving mental health services and increasing security in schools. Unfortunately, the new law didn't do a whole lot to stop another mass shooting. Three Kentucky police officers were shot and killed after a 49-year-old man who is in custody allegedly gunned them down and wounded several others in a mass shooting at his Kentucky home. The city of Prestonburg Police Department shared in a Facebook post Friday that canine handler Jacob R. Caffins had died. The two other slain officers were identified by the sheriff's office as Deputy William Petrie and Prestonsburg Police Captain Ralph Frazier. The shooting unfolded in Floyd County at about 6.44 local time Thursday. Kentucky State Police and Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir called it a barricade situation. According to arrest report, Lance Stores, who was armed with a rifle, fired multiple rounds at police officers around his home, killing two officers and a police canine. The arrest report said that five other officers and an emergency management director was injured, though the state police said four officers and one civilian was hurt. Floyd County and our brave first responders suffered a tragic loss last night, the governor tweeted Friday. I want to ask all of Kentucky to join me in praying for this community. It's a tough morning for our Commonwealth. Stores is in custody on multiple charges, including murder of a police officer and attempted murder of a police officer. He entered a plea of not guilty and is being held on $10 million bond. Stores returns to court on July 11th. There were over 13 mass shooting incidents in the U.S. last week. More than 13 people were killed and 47 were injured. These are some of the cities that were affected by mass shootings this past week. Sunday, June 19th, 2022, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Sunday, June 19th, 2022, Washington, D.C. Sunday, June 19th, 2022, Miami, Florida. Sunday, June 19th, 2022, Detroit, Michigan. Sunday, June 19th, 2022, Walterboro, South Carolina. Monday, June 20th, 2022, Staten Island, New York. Monday, June 20th, 2022, New York, New York. Thursday, June 23rd, 2022, Chicago, Illinois. Friday, June 24th, 2022, Burleson, Texas. Friday, June 24th, 2022, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Friday, June 24th, 2022, Hopewell, Virginia. Saturday, June 25th, 2022, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Saturday, June 25th, 2022, 
Houston, Texas. And of course, the most recent being the mass shooting in Kentucky. In case anyone's wondering what it's like to live in America, I'll give you a quick example. Um, Yesterday, my sister, who lives in Colorado with her girlfriend, went to the gay pride parade. Um, She also had a float in it. Um, Beforehand, before they went, they discussed how, okay, we're going to wear gym shoes because wearing gym shoes means that we can run away faster from a shooter. Flip flops make it to where it's harder to run. They figured out a safe place to meet in case they got separated. They figured out if they were on a float and a shooter came or a bomb went off, where would they go? If they were not on the float, where would they go and what would they do? They discussed every single plan you could ever think of just in case someone came to that parade and just completely obliterated it. And this is normal life. A report following the tragic shooting in Uvalde, Texas, has revealed that police officers were equipped with the tools and shields to take down the shooter 10 minutes after he took the classroom, but police waited an hour for the command to go in. The Texas-led GOP, led by Governor Greg Abbott, approved an updated party platform at its Houston convention last weekend that contains multiple anti-LGBTQ policy stances, most notably referring to homosexuality as an abominable lifestyle choice. And it's calling for a ban on all gender-affirming medical treatments for any transgender people 21 years old or younger. The fourth hearing on Tuesday held by the January 6th House Special Committee focused on an elaborate efforts by then-President Donald J. Trump and his allies to hijack the process of a peaceful transfer of the power by applying massive pressure campaign against the state and local officials. Louisiana's Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards signed a bill on Tuesday that would toughen an abortion ban and provide no exceptions for a woman who seeks an abortion following pregnancy that is the result of rape or incest, and it would impose harsher criminal penalties to anyone who performs an abortion. Jurors at a civil trial found that Bill Cosby sexually abused a 16-year-old girl at the Playboy Mansion in 1975 and awarded Judith Huth who is now 64 years old, $500,000 in punitive damages. Good for her. At its fourth hearing, the House Select Committee's investigating the riots revealed text messages between Republican Senator Ron Johnson's chief of staff and an aide to then-Vice President Mike Pence on the morning of January 6th that revealed an offer to deliver to Pence an alternative slate of electors that would vote for President Donald Trump instead of President-elect Joe Biden. Listen, I know the January 6th hearing is very serious and (laughs) very damning, but there was just one thing I can't get out of my head. He was very concerned about the shot, meaning the photograph that we would get because the rally space wasn't full. So you're telling me that after four years in the White House, on the day that he orchestrated a coup, tried to murder members of Congress, including his vice president, and end American democracy as we know it, Trump is still worried about the size of his crowd? nation can survive its full, and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. For the traitor appear not to be a traitor, he speaks in the accents familiar to his victims, and he appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. 
He works secretly and unknown in the night and undermines the pillars of a city. He infects the body politic so it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to be feared. Do you remember that feeling you got when the second plane hit the Twin Towers and you realized what was going on? Yeah, you should have that same feeling again right now. Smiling when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. When you're laughing, oh, when you're laughing. The sun comes shining through But when you're crying You bring on the rain So stop your sighing Be happy Again, keep on smiling Cause when you're smiling The whole world smiles with you Cause when you're smiling 